Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Welcome to the Fighting on Film Podcast, the podcast all about classic and obscure war movies. From the Normandy landings to the days of chivalry and swords, if it's been captured on film, we're going to try and cover it. I'm Robbie of RM Military History. I'm Matthew Moss of Historical Firearms and the Armourer's Bench. Hello, welcome back to Fighting on Film. Now this week we're taking a little detour from the kind of uh, movies that we do on the show um, and cover a film that we recently went to see a couple of weeks ago. Um, we had a podcasting trip away at the IWM Duxford um, and we caught a movie beforehand and it's one me and Matt have wanted to see for a while now. Um, it's called yeah. Zone of Interest, as you'll probably know if you've clicked on the uh, the title of this show. And it's a it's an incredible film about the Holocaust and it's one that is told very differently from a lot of other Holocaust movies that have been made to date. And uh, this episode isn't going to have an alley tally. It's not going to have a favourite scenes. It's going to be a production and a cast rundown. And then me and Matt are just going to talk uh, loosely about what we enjoyed about the movie, what its themes, things it does well, um, because it is very affecting, a uh, very mm. powerful film. So, Matt, would you like to do cast first and then I'll do production? Yeah, so I'm just going to cover the two uh, leads. And the, the premise of the film essentially follows... Rudolf Hurst's family. He's the commandant of um, one of the Auschwitz camps. And um, later he's promoted. And of course, uh, just do a little reading on his background if you want to know the kind of heinous individual he actually truly yeah. was. Horrible. Man. Um, and his, uh, his wife, um, Hedwig. He's played by Christian uh, Friedel. And you might know him from uh, films such as 30 Minutes, uh, the ongoing uh, Babylon Berlin series, which began in 2017. And also he's going to be in White Lotus later this year, apparently, um, interestingly. 
And uh, Friedel had been apparently had been quite reluctant to play uh, Nazi roles. He'd been offered them in the past during his career, and he'd always avoided doing them. And the script and the material uh, for Zone of Interest was such that he felt that it was something that he had to do. Um, mm. Which, um, and in terms of in terms of likeness in casting, it's not always an essential thing. No, uh, I think, um, but it seems that Glazer kind of hit the hit the nail on the head with this one because there is yeah. a very striking um, kind of resemblance. He's got that swept back haircut. Mm. You see, yeah, yeah. Um, he's been nominated for uh, European Film Award as Best Actor, uh, Astra Film Award uh, Best International Actor, and he won the Montclair Film Festival Breakthrough Performer Award for his performance in this film, and I'm sure there'll be further nominations that i've mm. mentioned and awards that he's already won yeah. because it must be very hard to give an award because of the the, the person you're portraying must be very but, hard to receive it as well yes his his performance is it, uh, it's so nuanced and it's so subtle like it's this movie is just is just amazing subtleness and hinting all the way through but with but with, with Hoss, you ne- Hearst, sorry, you never feel at any moment that he has any sort of uh, remorse for what he's doing. No, no, and that's that's very true. Um, and then the the other lead in the in the film is uh, is played by Sandra Hula, and uh, we've mentioned her on the show before. Um, she appeared in Munich Edge of War. In 2021, she's had a long career in European film, very well known. Um, recently, uh, has had uh, Oscar noms and Golden Globe nominations for Anatomy of a Fall, um, which came out last year. Um, and then she's also been nominated uh, at the BAFTAs for both Anatomy of a Fall and Zone mm. of Interest. So, performances which are being recognised by um, various, you know. Uh, award giving enterprises and entities and such and they are I, I think justly deserved much deserved um yeah. because the because the the film is it, it's focused on them and it, it we see we see their lives and how they react to their surroundings and the in you know the interplay between them and the other supporting characters all very much against the backdrop of the Holocaust is literally going on behind a wall. When I say backdrop, it literally is the backdrop. Feet, um, feet away. Yeah, um, they're very, they're very, very strong performances, and mm. we'll talk about some of the nuances of those performances as we go. On. So I know for a fact that this film had a very interesting kind of production. So Rob's going to run us through a couple of the elements of that. Yeah, so production-wise, the film's directed by English director Jonathan Glazer. Yeah, he's directed, uh, sorry, he's probably best known for his films Sexy Beast, um, 2004 with Ray Winston, and uh, Birth and Under the Skin that that starred Scarlett Johansson. Um, He's quite, uh, he hasn't done many films, but the films he has done have been quite critically acclaimed. Uh, very well received, you know. I remember kind of an auteur kind of director, very auteur director. Yes, I remember when Sexy Beast came out, it was like this is a very different kind of gangster film than what we're used to. You know, mm. so much so that recently Sexy Beast has had a TV adaptation. 
um, you know, that was so sort of cult and revered. Um, the film itself is based upon the 2014 book of the same name by Martin Amis. Uh, he passed away very recently. Um, I think he passed away the week of the initial screening um, in 2023. Um, the cinematography um, is by two-time Oscar-nominated Polish cinematographer uh, Łukasz Zal, or Lukasz Zal, I'm probably butchering that, very sorry. Um, his credits include Loving Vincent, uh, Dov, Dovlatov, and I'm Thinking of Ending Things. Music was by BAFTA-winning Micah Levi. He's a British composer and songwriter. He's worked previously with Glazer on Under the Skin. He's also composed a soundtrack for Jackie, the film about uh, Jackie Kennedy, which I would recommend. That's a very good film. Uh, Marjorie Prime and Zola. Uh, The film was produced in association with Film 4, Access Industries and the Polish Film Institute. And it was uh, distributed by A24. Um, I don't think I've ever seen a bad A24 film, actually, thinking about it. Um, they are a mark of quality, I think. Uh, principal photography took place in Auschwitz in 2021 and lasted 55 days. The hearse house was built converting a derelict house beyond the camp wall, and the flowers were planted months before, allowing them to bloom uh, to give scenes colour um, as wow. on the backdrop of the, uh, the, the grey wall that's around Auschwitz itself. Um, the film does not show the atrocities face on, but rather through sound. Uh, a catalogue of events inside the camp was compiled by the film's sound designer, Johnny Byrne, that were then used to build a sound library over a year to be used within the film itself. Incredible. Um, and Glazer has described the soundscape as the other film, arguably the film. Uh, the film's crew and director were not on set during filming. Ten cameras were embedded around the property, which allowed the actors to improvise and encourage them to block out scenes as they saw fit, Glazer calling it Big Brother in the Nazi House. Wow. And I've seen uh, interviews with um, Hula saying about how y- y- you were just playing the scenes as you would play them naturally. There was no one, mm. no one there sort of stopping you or saying cut. It was they let a scene go on. And then I may be over a little speaker system. I think Glazer and the crew would say, right, can you just do that again for us? It was it was quite an unconventional way of filming it. But then this is a very unconventional film. Um, so I think it really helps and 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 enriches it's a very film. organic feel, I think. Very organic. In, in and yeah. they they kind of live in that scene. They do. And they they aren't they aren't in him, you know, inhibited by the, the presence mm. of a crew milling around. People move around a lot more naturally in this movie. They're not, I think we're a lot, I've, I've acted in front of a camera and you're very aware that it's there. And you do a lot mm. of weird movements to sort of not look at it. But in this, well, people... you get that thing where, you know, when we're recording a podcast, as soon as the red light goes on, you kind of, your your mindset changes ever so slightly. Yeah, agreed. And when I used to, when I, when I did music production in, you know, in college and stuff, like as soon as we put the red light on, then performers and people in the Focus. and stuff it's like it changes things change yeah tense yeah. up mm, mm. i think in the way of filming this gave the actors a real sense of freedom to, to tackle mm. the scenes the way they wanted um, and it definitely shows in the, the final cut uh, no lighting rigs were used and the house's light was all natural giving the film the quite lighting a in this is incredible it's it's such a great thing like it's so good um you know really really good filmmaking this is probably one of the most technically brilliant films i've seen in it in a long time mm. um so glazer worked closely with the auschwitz museum and used their archives to help create the movie um, and the young polish girl in the film and we'll talk about her later 
Uh, she's inspired by a real girl uh, called Alexandra, who Glazer met during his research. She was a 12-year-old member of the Polish resistance, and she would cycle to the camp to leave apples for the prisoners overnight. And in the film, uh, she discovered a piece of music written by a prisoner. The prisoner's name was Joseph Wolf. Uh, he'd, Wolf, he'd, he survived the war. Um, and Alex, I think that piece of that music is used in the movie. Um, Alexandra was 90 years old when she met Glazer and she died shortly after. Um, but the bike that the girl uses in the movie and the dress that the actress wore belonged to her. Um, wow. Incredible. Really, really incredible. And I, I, we'll talk about her sequences a bit later on. And I've got a, a little bit more on that when we do. Um, but the budget was reportedly a $15 million uh, film. Not very much at all. Um, you wouldn't know it looking at it. And at the time of recording, it's earned back $12.5 And it's been nominated for over 150 award nominations this award season. Uh, Matt mentioned some yeah. for acting. Um, but it's got five Oscar nominations so far. In, sorry, and it's up for five Oscars, including Best International Feature, Best Sound Directing, Screenplay, Adaptation for Glazer. And I think it could comfortably win all of those, personally. Mm. Um, yeah. I do I do think it will win quite a high number of those. And I think it's up for maybe nine to eight BAFTAs as well. Um, so I think it's going to clean up, and it should um, because this film is a technical masterpiece, and it's it's, a, it's yeah, it's a wonder that none of the cast were nominated. To be honest, no, I mean it's difficult yeah. with a with a you know a film like this in a packed kind of mm. um, uh, a packed year with Oppenheimer, Barbie, yeah, ex exactly the holdovers. It was quite, I think, it was quite a late thing for the holdovers to come out so late and then do as well as it's done. Mm. Um, but this movie's come out late as well general release and it's yes. it's showing why it's so revered um so that's all i have for production this week so i think maybe we'll go into our thoughts um so to jump off um something you mentioned a moment ago um you mentioned rob the the lighting and i i was struck immediately because the film opens with that beautiful idyllic scene of a family on a picnic by a river um frolicking in grass mm. picking cherries um or, or berries um and and just that bright idyllic summer sunlight yeah um on, everything's on, so on calm and normal yeah. yeah and and you're immediately struck by that diegetic sound as well so it's that you can hear the birds and the trees and the sand and the you know, the, the the grass rustling and, and the, the water the river and it it immediately creates this soundscape and visual landscape which captures your attention you mm. know, fully. But even before that, the film starts with this a pitch black screen with no mm. titles, and it has this hulking, loud, deafening soundscape of like, mm. like. It's hard to, I'm going to have to imitate it. It's like a, you know, like mm. a sort of, not an inception level, you know, like that, but it's very, yeah. it's like monstrous. It's a monstrous sound. I think that's, that's probably the best way to describe yeah. it, it. It made me think of a machine. That's yeah. I think that's right. And I think the parallels with, you know, yeah. the industrial scale of the Holocaust. And that goes on spring for... to me, but mm. I think that's very, that's something you can interpret. I think so. This film does a lot. Level. And the film does a lot of that. 
to the, for mm. the viewer to interpret and fill in the gaps. Um, but that sequence at the very, very start with the sound and the pitch black screen, that maybe goes on for maybe five minutes or it feels, it feels like yeah. it does. It does go on um, an awfully long time. And it, it also, what struck me was, it felt like almost like a palate cleanser. Mm. Go, going from the, you know, obviously before you start a film, you've got all the trailers and the adverts, and turn off your phone, go and get some popcorn, mm. jaunty little jingles and stuff. But this is a very serious t- subject. It it felt to me like that was a way of yeah. blocking the film out from everything that had gone before mm. it. That, that and you could all hear sat, and sat through. Yeah, I mean, you couldn't hear a pin drop in the cinema. No one talked. Yeah. No, I've, in fact, I you know I've you know, been in cinemas lately, and people do chat more than they used to during movies. I think mm. um, cinema etiquette has certainly died off a bit for me. But during this one, not at all. Like. People, I think people, and I quite was as well. We were transfixed on what was going on on the screen in front of us. Like it, it's oh, so throughout. affecting, absolutely, mm. so affecting. So after that, the family gets to the house, and you're immediately aware that you are where you are, because mm. I think you know viewers of this movie. I don't think you're going to see this movie on a whim. It's not that type of film. No, um, you know what you're going for. You know what you're going for. It's just this really uneasy feeling that you get all the way through it where whatever's going on inside the house, you're horrifically aware of what's going on, like, you know, yards yeah. behind it yeah. at any given time. And whether it do, whether it's doing that through, you hear screams in the background, then you hear a gunshot, then you hear no screams anymore. Or mm. you see a puff of train smoke behind the house. Yeah, It's this, it's that great thing of showing and not telling and not show. Sorry. Um, sorry, telling but not showing, but on mm-hmm. this on this insane scale of, and and I read a review. It was on TikTok actually of a of a review. A young girl who'd reviewed the movie, and she said, "This movie is affecting because we've seen the imagery, we've mm. seen it a lot. You know, whether you've done history at, at Key Stage Nine and you've learned about the Holocaust, whether you've seen Schindler's List or any or any documentary about the Holocaust since." The imagery is is horrible. It sticks with you, and it rightfully should stick with you. Um, and your brain can fill in the gaps, and that's the horrific part of it. I think for me, that's the affecting part of it that we know exactly what's going on, yeah. and the characters inside that house never they talk about it, but they don't talk about it in the way we talk about it. No, and and that is the horrifying thing for me is this family are fully. 100% aware what's going on behind them. They just yeah. don't give a shit. No. And we'll, we'll talk care. about some instances of that in you know in a moment or two. But it's the mundane everyday stuff like mm. preparing food, washing the floor, turn lights out before you go to bed, shutting the doors. Mm. Um, you know, watering plants. They're living their entire life in the shadow of the Holocaust as it happens. Yeah. And there's there's a scene which to me was one of the most striking in the film where uh Hedwig's mother comes to visit and they haven't seen yes. each other in a while. And she arrives at the camp um after a long train journey and they, they chat about that and they're in the kitchen and the just mundane chit chat, just just the dullest stuff. And then she takes her on a tour of the house and you can see the mother's becoming more and more impressed. Oh, this is a lovely house. You're running things. You You've have, done so you know, well for yourself. You have help. Mm. Local help has come in. Um, 
and then you know she goes out into the garden and she's showing her the, the allotments and the little pool they've got and the garden that she's designed and the mother's more and more impressed and then there's there's some gunshots or shouting from the other side of the wall that's the ever-present wall and the the mother says um do you remember such and such i used to clean for him uh, i wonder if he's in here or i wonder where he is now because mm. he's a, you know, a jewish gentleman jewish family that she's worked for before the war before hitler came to power in the 30s and hedwig's visibly kind of uncomfortable about that you know she goes I don't know. It doesn't matter. Carry on showing her the garden. She And then the mother continues. She kind of persists with it a little bit. And she says, well, you know, when when they were when they were dragged out, like I tried to buy his cans. I bid for his cans in the in the street auction and mm. someone else, someone else won them. And she was annoyed because she she just missed out. You yeah. know, and that's that's it. It but, kind of pulled that person's life down to the element of missing out on something on ebay their property there's something yeah. to be yeah. something to be sort of just shunted away it but it also adds to that it's a fact of life they it she talks about it in such mundane terms that it's that that is very striking and she continues by saying she missed out on that and hedwig is so uncomfortable about this line of conversation she deflects it again and leads her off into mm. the part of the garden but it isn't it isn't i felt like it wasn't deflecting it to not to not talk about why what the ins and outs of it no so she, she wants to show her the garden yeah but she just, wants to show her evidence she's achieved she wants them her mom to be proud of her it's there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Not because she doesn't want to talk shop. It's because she doesn't care. Yeah, I agree. She doesn't care. And it's and I've got it in my notes here. That whole sequence of them chatting about the displaced Jews the mother work for, it's treated mm. like gossip. It's like yes. playground gossip. It's not mm. it it's not a thing that's like, oh my God, this is so shocking. It's just, oh well, I I bid for their curtains and I didn't get yep. them. What a shame. Yep. Mm-hmm. Not, oh my god, these people they were dragged out. Curtains. Yeah, exactly. She talks more about the curtains than she does the, the mm. family that own them. You know what they're talking about. What what they're talking about to them isn't isn't important for the right reasons. It's this thing of it, it shows the subtleties and it shows the all in to some anyway, not everyone, but the, the all encompassing nature of the final solution to some and the the way the Nazi Party got their claws into people. Mm. 
And obviously, you know, it's going to be different for Hedwig because she's married to Rudolf Huss. She's very close with him. They talk a lot. You see him talking bad about things. Yeah. So she is fully aware where she is. Oh, yeah. And all the way through the movie, you're kind of, is the way it's presented to me or the way I see it at least, you're not sure if she fully buys into it. You're not sure whether she cares about the house, about the family or about everything. And there's a moment where me and Matt, we turn to each other and we just said the word complicit. Because there's a sequence where one of the help, who is Jewish, Jewish girl, has done something wrong or something, very minor thing. So her her mother leaves. That's it. And she sets a place for her breakfast. Mm. And she says, have you done this to embarrass me? And then she says what she says, which I think you're going to mention now. And she she's clearly annoyed that her mum's left. Her mum's left a note because at night you see sequences of the mother hearing the um, furnaces going um, yeah. over in the camp. And you get this beautiful... That in itself is an incredible affecting sequence this but this is this beautifully staged uh framed scene of her standing in the window with the orange mm. glare from the fire and she's just staring out the window at it yeah um, and she can't sleep um, that whole before you talk about the, the the next little bit just to come off that sort of scene the thing that struck me is there's two little girls, her granddaughters are asleep in the bed next to her. Yeah. They're used to that sound. They're used to that glow. Well, it's somewhat used to it. Yeah. One little girl is obviously having trouble sleeping and is frequently found sat in places around the house at night. Um, but at that point, they're both asleep. And the mother's, I think at that point, she's been there for maybe two two days, a couple of nights. Two, three days at least. And yeah. and she's, str- she's struggling to get used to it, whereas everyone else, and the way the film shows this, is it, it pans to, or it cuts to a couple of different you know bedrooms and shows everyone else asleep. Peacefully They're sleeping. used to that industrial yeah. sound. They're used mm. to that glow. She can't get used to it. No. And she leaves, and she, she leaves a letter, and Hedwig finds it, and she reads it. When we're not shown it as the audience what it says me and Matt have theorised it says perhaps you're all crazy you're monsters or I don't want to be here something it's mm. something annoying it's something that doesn't sit well with Hedwig she doesn't like what she she's bends, read she bends the letter and she burns the letter that is another very powerful little moment where she takes the letter and she puts it into, into the fireplace yeah. and you know the, the, the parallels between that and what the mother has seen and witnessed and has yeah. probably driven her to leave again mm. it's it's a lot of imagery, a lot of a lot of mm. metaphors. Um, and then Hedwig, as as Matt was saying, the table set down. Hedwig's annoyed, and she says some. She says something. I'm paraphrasing, but she says, "My husband could have your ashes spread all around yeah. the fields, and they'd never yeah. find you." Complicit. And it floored me. And and I'm just it's sitting that moment here. that you instantly realise that she knows. She knows the extent of what's going on. She's in on it too. She's not just this woman that's in a little idyllic house. No, yeah. And you think that for a little bit because we've had a sequence with um, her sleeving and she has a big argument with him saying, you know, I want my house, you can't leave here. And we think, mm. okay, well, you know, on one level I can understand she doesn't want to, she doesn't want to pick our family up and move them. I understand that, you know, 
I, I get that. But then on this backdrop of what's happening next to the house, it just has and that in itself is super of... jarring, isn't it? That she wants to live next to the next to a death camp, and mm. because their experience of being in that area, that situation, mm. that it's completely different to the reality of what is really going on. Yeah, it's 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 so everything's so cold, everything's so flat and delivered so naturally that it has this extra layer of. Mm ickiness and, and, and any old ill feeling and i never felt settled when i was watching the movie and obviously it, it doesn't want you to feel settled it wants you to think it wants you to have these reactions but it, it, you just it's just very unsettling um and then the, and then towards the end of the movie i think it's 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 the end sequence for me and i think for everyone who goes to see this movie this is the sequence that will stick with you and spoilers sorry if you haven't seen the movie please please go and see it it's it's an absolute powerhouse of, of a piece of filmmaking. Um, so Hearst learns that um, the uh, execution of the Jews of Hungary will be going into effect and they're going to call it Operation Hearst after him mm -hmm. and he'll be moving back from a different role um, back to Auschwitz to oversee that. He's happy about it, but he's not sort of, he's not like jumping at it. He's not like... Um, He's quietly proud. He quietly proud. That's it. Phone, doesn't he? Says, "I'm, mm. I'm pleased as punch." I think that's is, is the kind of phrase he uses on the phone when he yeah. calls her. And he says, "Oh, I, I'm at the, this party. They're celebrating. They're either celebrating that, or they're just having a party. I couldn't. I didn't know mm. what it was. It, uh, the context isn't fully good. Vague. Um, and her says to Hedwig on the phone. Oh well, I couldn't settle at the party. I, I sat in the main ballroom and and wondered how much gas it would take to kill everyone. And you're unsure whether he means the people at the party or whether he means the people that he's going to be. Yeah, the seven hundred thousand Jews from Hungary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And it works on both levels, and it's still cold and horrible. And then he puts his hat on, walks down the steps, and he starts to retch, as if he's going to be sick, and nothing comes up. Then he stops, walks down another flight of stairs, and the angle changes. And yeah. he's doing it again. And he's quite, you can see he's, he's it, this is strange to him. It's just this, yeah. this retching is coming out of nowhere. And he looks down the barrel of the camera at us, or at the darkness of the corridor. You're not quite sure, but it is at us, the viewer. Then yeah. we cut to black again, and you see a tiny dot, a tiny dot of light on the screen that gets a little bit bigger but not very bigger. And there's me thinking in the cinema, oh God, they're finally going to show something. We're finally going to see something. This is this has got to be inside of a gas chamber. And, then, and I'm preparing myself to see these horrific scenes because we've yeah. heard them all the way through the movie and I'm thinking, oh my word, if this movie can conjure up the imagery that it can conjure up with sound, imagine what it might do if it's going to show it. And the door opens and it's two cleaners going into a gas chamber to clean it at the at the museum. Yeah. And it is so striking and so hard hitting that and it takes you through the cleaner's morning routine and you see the the, the vacuuming, see the mopping, vacuuming, the mopping, wiping down of, some of the glass cleaning and of such. pictures. And then you see the piles of shoes. You see the 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 uniforms they were made to wear um, and the personal effects piled up. 
but with no sound, just the sound of hoovers and people walking around. It's diegetic sound again, isn't it? it yeah. It, it, it's really a, a, you know, effective. And I, I nearly cried. Mm. I was so close to tears. And then, and then you think, okay, that's going to be the film. That, that's it now. You, 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 you've shown everything you can show. But no, we cut back to Hearst. And it's the same shot of him looking down the barrel of the camera again for maybe a split second. Then he, and then he turns away and walks down the steps and he fades black and we get that soundscape again. Mm. And for me, it's this, this allegory of we, we can't stop what he's done, but we can stop our movie to show you the effects of what he's done and yeah. why he's such a horrible, risible human being who quite rightfully was found guilty of his crimes and killed, you know, and, 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 and you know, put to death. And, and it's such, it's such a, it's such a different way of tackling this subject matter, which, you know, must 100% be continued to be shown and reminded of, because I think sometimes at the moment, the way the world is, I don't. I think we need a bit of grim reality sometimes to ground us. I, I thought the um, the the everyday aspect of them going about their you know, business, cleaning the exhibits and cleaning the the actual mm. uh, you know gas chamber itself, yeah, was was very well mirrored. With the mundane everyday stuff that the family were doing in their home, one hundred percent, one hundred percent, very effective as well. Mm. It, the film, as you've already said, Rob, goes to great lengths not to show the actual horrors. No, you know, and, and it is more tell, not show. Mm. And I think that illustrates the horrific daily reality. You know, the small mundane detail. Yeah, I think I think the juxtaposition of that against the massive industrial scale of, of subjugation and murder is, yes. is very powerful. I mean, we get kind of little hints as the film evolves. We get the mm. smoke of the train passing, the camp prisoners working in their garden. You see the, um, you see a soldiers few... passing yeah. the discussion of the, 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 the cremation chamber and mm. the, the the new design that they're working like these guys on. come they're to so effect, proud of, effectively sell it to him yeah they're like showing him the thing and they yeah. explain it and he doesn't you can tell he doesn't immediately understand what they what they're explaining and he says oh it keeps working you can clear out one chamber while the next one's burning and he's like great and then later on he's 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 recording a memo and he says we should patent that we should we should file a patent for the to protect that design incredible because of its ingenuity it's, it's I insane think, i think for me there's there's some other nuances and details that go into the film so there's a there's a bit where the older son who's in hitler jürgen um attire yeah. in a lot of the scenes he's in so he's about 13 perhaps 12 13 um, he locks his his little brother into the into the greenhouse, and he kind of like frog marches him in and pushes him in. He's like, "No, I don't want to go in." He pushes him into the greenhouse, yeah, yeah, and and then starts making hissing sounds. Mm. And it just dawned on me, like his his father has taken him 
to probably and he's been present at least once when, when when people have been pushed into a gas chamber and killed yeah and you because he goes out I, on like almost daily rides with him so yeah. i assume i assume his father's like taking you know, him close to him he's, yeah he's taking him to show him his job mm. that bit i mean i guess in Hearst's mind he's the next generation yeah and and, and, and yeah and I didn't pick up on that when, when I first saw it. And we were walking, I remember we were walking down the stairs of the cinema, getting mm. back to the car. And you said, Oh, that sequence there implies that he's seen it or heard yeah. about it or, or been present. And I was like, Wow, yeah, it did. did. It's incredible. Yeah. I, I think, honestly, there's probably a lot of sequences and a lot of small nuances that have been interjected into it that you could easily miss. Like you and I have a fairly decent appreciation mm. of some of the nuance of the holocaust we're not experts obviously good god like but we we you know we can we can pick out you know mm. detail and, and certain elements of it stuff like the clothes she she's trying on a fair coat near the beginning of the film and she's looking at the lining where it's been cut to check for you know hidden money jewelry that mm. kind of thing and she's like oh that'll have to be repaired there's a conversation isn't there between um, a couple of women talking about um someone goes to to canada to, yeah. to pick up a um some clothing and it's referring to the warehouse it's canada. from canada but, yeah so this is from yeah. canada and the girl thinks it's the country but no it's one of the warehouses was called canada yeah. with a yeah. k um and and yeah like it's just there's so much going on here that's so subtle and the, the when the wind changes there's a yeah. there's a polish family in their flat you've never seen them before it's you know it, it's the wind changes and you see the mother absolutely panic she goes runs around shutting all the windows mm. she's on on the balcony trying to pull her clothes off the line and you can see little flecks of ash yeah blow by yeah and talking Just, of that geez, talking of that like, sequence that 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 part of the movie when there's an outside shot of her getting the um clothing in that shot mm. on a thermal camera and there's only yeah. one other bit in the movie that uses a thermal camera. So if you remember the uh, production part of the episode, I talked about uh, the girl named Alexandra who puts out the the apples. Um, mm. So I got a quote from Glazer here about that sequence in particular, because me and Matt weren't sure whether it was a dream sequence, whether it was really happening. Because Yeah, when it, when you first see it, you thought uh, it, it, it immediately kind of follows a sequence with one of... Um, the, the daughters he's mm. reading a, like a story that's and it. it it almost feels like it could be the, the kid's dream that's but it yeah she returns later on and it's much more in depth clearly apparently. not sorry so no it's fine that makes complete sense it, i think it's presented to you in a little bit ambigu ambiguous way and the cut of using the mm. thermal camera is very sort of it's quite dream sequence like in a way so anyway glazer explains this sequence he says how are you going to see her if you can't use lights? There's no ambient light anywhere near that you could justify. Zal and mm. I talked about how we could see her. Really, it just came down to what's the only tool exists where we'll be able to see something that our eyes couldn't. That was a thermal camera. Then we mm. went along a very difficult journey into that technology in order to capture this sequence. You're not seeing light recorded here. You're seeing heat recorded. 
I suppose it's a pretty dramatic shift in imagery from everything that you've seen up to this sequence, but it's presented with the same intention, with the same commitment to the dogma of 21st century tools, 21st century lens, its present tense. The aesthetic follows the fundamentals of it. There's something very beautiful and poetic about the fact it is heat and she does glow. It reinforces her as an energy. Yeah, hair warmth, life in contrast mm. to the coolness and the, and the, the, the dark and the death of the camp that she's spreading yeah. the apples around. Mm. And I thought that, 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 that rings true. It really does. And I think this week, I think we implore everyone to go and see this movie. If you can at a cinema. Um, oh God. Yeah, there's a dozen other parts of this film we could talk about the jaw in the river. Yeah. You know, and then him clean, panicking to get the kids back and cleaning out them the out river. or cleaning yeah. them off, scrubbing them down. Yeah. You know, not even because they were in a even their eyes, not because they were in a dirty river, but because of what yeah. was in that river. Yeah. This is a lot more than it needs to, which is horrible and you know, hope it's never repeated again. Um so yeah, in this movie, as me and Matt have said, it's one you should go and see. Please go and try and see it in a cinema. Without um, doubt. Without An a doubt. Incredibly moving piece of film. Very moving film. Very one powerful of the, cinema one of the best films I've definitely seen in a long, long while. Um, and, you know, his subject matter is so important and to present it in a very different way than what we're used to is just, mm. I want to use the word refreshing, but that's not right. Um, but it, it's, um, oh, it's just, it's just so different that it is worth seeing. Um, and I've got a, my closing thoughts here are, it's a film with no plot quote unquote it's a slice of life it's about nothing but it's about everything mm. if that makes sense um yeah. it's what we choose to see what we choose to ignore it's a very hard thing to pin down but i think glazer gets it yeah and that, that is my ending thoughts this week on that on this movie zone of interest i would just reiterate that you if you're listening to this and you haven't seen it i would definitely go and try and see it in cinemas because you will get the most impact from it mm. i think i think it will carry through on um on tv at home on streaming yeah. perhaps um but i think to get a full effect of of the film and the the, uh, the filmmaking that's gone into it it's best seen in cinemas agreed to get to, to get the full weight of the, of the film yeah so that was our review of Zone of Interest I hope you enjoyed listening a very different episode than what we're used to doing um, we hope we tackled it with the right amount of weight that it deserves and yep yeah, say again please go and see it if you can and do join us again next time for more Fighting on Film see you next time folks bye 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 guys Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.